Welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast, the podcast in which Stephen L. Trogi, Barnabas Piper, and Ted Cluck cheerfully rant about all the things that don't matter all that much. And now, buckle up for today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Happy Rant Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen L. Trogi, with my co-hosts, Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper. And guys, we got a lot to roll into and so we're going to move quick. We're going to move a lot of a lot of quick cuts, a lot of fast talking. Uh, but Barnabas, before we roll, can you go right into the sponsor to tell us what we're all about and who's paying the bills this week? Yes, our sponsor is Lemon Street Mobile. Uh, you can find out more at lemonstreet.com. They offer protection plans for phones as well as uh, a trade-in option. So if you have a phone you'd like to to upgrade or just get money for. Uh, for Happy Rant listeners, you can get a 10% discount on any repairs or a 10% increase in your trade-in value by using the code Happy Rant at checkout. Uh, the quick details on the plan, they offer it's $5 a month for the protection plan, and that's a no-term contract, so you're not locked into stuff. And there's a $69 deductible should you need to get a phone fixed, which is um, about 60 or 70% off of what you get through your service provider if you have insurance through AT&T. I have replaced several phones. This is a way, way better deal than what I have had to use before, so I'm excited about it. Uh, and again, it's lemstreet.com. Use the code HAPPYRANT at checkout, and you'll get a 10% discount. And uh, as somebody on Twitter asked, hey, can you guys make sure to post these links? All of our sponsor links go in the blog post about the about the podcast post. So it goes up at the Blazing Center. Every time we release a new episode, you can find sponsor links in there. So check it out there. Get yourself some uh, phone protection. Smart move. All right, guys. Uh, let's begin... <laughs> Let's begin the podcast with what's really going to be a, a an important announcement that uh, that I need to make. Uh, you know, I've been doing some soul searching lately, and you know, I you know, it's just time. I think it's just time for me to step away from the podcast for a bit. You know, it's going to be. Uh, I've been thinking about this for a while now, and I'm not announcing my total and complete retirement per se, but I am announcing that. Starting next episode, I will be not on the episodes for at least a while, and this is this decision. That's a, su- that's a suitably vague announcement. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I I don't want to preclude myself from coming back. That's the thing. This smacks of a George Foreman esque boxing retirement to me, <laughs> in that you're retired until you sign your next deal. Well, it's. Steven it's Steve, it's Steve Spurrier resigning, not retiring. Exactly. I yeah. need. I need. <laughs> Is this like a negotiating chip? Do you want Barnabas and I to 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 lower our uh, our cuts of all the sponsorship money that's just pouring in? <laughs> And give you more? Is that what this is about? I'm willing to reconsider this position if someone is willing to pay me a lot more. So that's mm-hmm. one option. Or when you get through drug rehab. Or yeah, uh, one of the. Or when you get done playing minor league baseball. <laughs> well, one of the things that I said we should talk about regarding this announcement was all the different potential reasons people give athletes give for retirement. And so the first one that came to mind for me was the the classic. I need to spend more time with my family, uh, which, which which is code for I'm not actually retiring. I am being forced to retire because the team doesn't want me anymore. Exactly. Or it's code for like Urban Meyer. 
I've had a bit of a health scare, so I'm going to take like a week and a half off and then come back. I'm going to stop being a workaholic for a week and a half. <laughs> spend, spend a little bit of time with my family. Like Get to know my children's names. <laughs> take take my NCAA sanctions to a different school. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that there was that one. There was the, the, the classic, um, I need to... Uh, what's the one that guys always use basically when they need to like get help for a massive addiction? It's like I need to take care of myself or I need to take care of some personal problems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. personal personal and family issues I think is sort of the the bucket in which that falls. Personal off the field, off the air personal issues which mm. includes anything from like uh, meth addiction, <laughs> yeah, alcoholism, gen- generally Johnny Manziel's life. <laughs> And now, Stephen, if I see Instagram photos of you partying with Johnny Manziel next week while Barnabas and I are, are hard at work recording the next app, um, I'm, I'm going to be not pleased. Man. Now, guys, speaking of Johnny Manziel, I feel like I should go back into the archives and, and replay some of the conversations we had in which both of you, I believe, were avid Johnny Manziel advocates. And... But neither, but neither of us made me. any bold predictions about how good he bold was. predictions. Uh, but I'm standing by my my John Manziel uh, fascination. I mean, I think you know. Look, the the guy starting ahead of him is Josh McCown. <laughs> so the idea that Johnny Manziel could do significant things on the field this year still uh, still holds true. Man, I'm not ready to bail on him. I thoroughly enjoyed watching um, one Cleveland Browns game, I should say a half of one Cleveland Browns game at the beginning of this year, and watching him throw a touchdown pass on his first pass, it was thrilling, and I tweeted about it because it excited me so much. So I still, <laughs> I still love Johnny Manziel as well. Um, but are you are you going are you going to use that excuse, Stephen? Are I you see- pick, are you picking the I just I don't have the love of the game anymore? Is that your excuse? Well, you don't have the love of pot. Has podcasting grown old for you, Stephen? Well, that's kind of tired. Yeah, you've reached the top, and there's nowhere else. You've to seen go. the mountaintop in this business. Yeah, I mean, what it, for me? It's basically the Jordan. You know, he he basically what was his thing? Is his what was, maybe his first time he retired? He you know he just didn't have the love of the game anymore. Wasn't that time number one? I think so. Yeah, he was just burned out because he had just won three championships. I think that was also when his dad had been murdered, and so there was a, there was a, an emotional strain as well. So that's kind of what you're dealing with here, minus your dad being murdered. <laughs> the, the crippling gam- the crippling gambling debt was also okay, so that's, uh, problematic. Yep, that's real. Uh, now, I mean, yeah, that seems legit. I could I could see that happening. I could see that. Now, uh, the thing that now wasn't it Jordan when he when asked about the gambling problem? Didn't he say, "I don't have a gambling problem. I have a competition problem." Wasn't that his line? I think so. Yeah, something to that effect. I think that's what it is for me. I don't have a. Fan. You're, you're in too deep with DraftKings. I don't have a DraftKings <laughs> problem. I don't have a DraftKings problem. I have a competition problem, and you I know, also owe one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to a guy named Lenny. It's affecting your podcasting, man. I could, it I could is. tell. You know, well, it's. I mean, it's it's basically you guys have seen all the signs. You guys have been quiet mm-hmm. about it. You've seen the signs coming. You you haven't been in the facility. You yeah. haven't done the prep. Right. Um. You haven't listened to the to the film and watch the film. So uh, Barnabas and I will take over, you know? And, uh, and just a word to listeners on, on this. While, while uh, Stephen stepping away is definitely a loss to the podcast, just remember, so uh, let me give you an example from real-life sports. When I was a teenager, the Timberwolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves, my favorite basketball team, had Kevin Garnett, Stefan Marbury, and Tom Gugliotta. 
and yeah. they were they were a killer trio. They looked like they had a great future, and they lasted all of about a season and a half uh, before Kevin Garnett was the only one left. But did I bail on the Timberwolves? I did not. I stuck with them. They remained my favorite team, and due to this day. And so don't take the analogy so far as to say we are like the Timberwolves because we are better than that. <laughs> but you stick with the team from because mm. it, it is the name on the front of the jersey that matters, not the back. So, Steven, sayonara, we will miss you. But listeners, don't give up on us. I you stick with the team knowing that Steven will be back because Barnabas, uh, in the next couple of weeks, Steven's going to see us doing the show. He's going to see all the adulation and yeah. all of the all the attention that comes our way. And uh, he's, he's going to want back in here, man. Well, in that analogy, I mean, you guys would – Probably, I think we could all agree that I would be the Kevin Garnett of that tri- that trio. I no, mean, you're I, clearly Stefan Marbury. You're the, <laughs> yeah, the star <laughs> and completely insane. You're the distributor. You're the point guard who doesn't distribute. You are heading to China to go to go uh, get sponsorship deals and score forty points on people who are five foot four and, re- and release doing. release my own very cheap knockoff shoe line. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Dude, did you ever get a pair of Starberries? I never did. I, I never stooped that low. I, I never did either, but I want one now. Maybe a <laughs> listener. Maybe if a listener has Starberries, I'd, I'd like some in a size uh, eleven and a half. I believe at one point he also ate a spoonful of Vaseline. He did. Oh, he did. Television. Yeah. No, so not national Steven. television. It was like a live twenty-four hour stream. He did. Okay, but uh, but anyway, Stephen, that's in your near future, which also goes well with the drug rehab and possibly could be a punishment for your your gambling debts. So. There's, there's a lot in your future that you have to sort through. I'm just going to be doing a lot of live streaming by myself, sort of Charlie Sheen style, mm. uh, when he went bonkers off off of Two and a Half Men. It's kind uh, of performance art, man. Yeah, it's yeah. Embrace it. Sh- should anybody ask us, of course, our standard line will be, we can only talk about the team members who are here, not the ones who aren't. Yeah. Uh, we wish Stephen all the best. That's a great so. line. Well, I mean... And and we've got a. I have to say we have a solid transition plan in place. We've got you know lots of friends who are you know I'm sure they're going to be willing to fill in. You guys have you asked anyone yet to fill in for me? Uh, we have we have the two names that that we were choosing between. So there's two solid candidates, and uh, and we need to we need to finalize that plan. But and I, I don't think for a while, Stephen, our energies were focused on uh, on seeing how serious your retirement actually was, and and trying to recruit you back, man. Well, we, yeah. we didn't want to be callous and just and and bring somebody in before you were even out the door. That seemed like a rather heartless move. Exactly. Well, I appreciate that, guys. And to the listeners, I'm I'm not gone forever. Keep me in your hearts, and there's always a chance. <laughs> there's always a chance that I'll be back. And, Don't sell uh, your Stephen Altrogi jerseys on eBay just yet. Not yet. Don't sell them yet. But uh, it's been a good run. It's been a good run. I'm the luckiest man alive. So are you can you give us a you're taking your talents to I don't know wherever you are just the LeBron exit just so that we can have some harsh feelings and people can burn your jersey I wish I could say I had another podcast that I was taking my talents to but well, I you really, started like 9 of them so I really don't Yeah but that'd be like yeah Are no. your other 8 podcasts still uh, are they still with us are they still operational Not really no Okay So I can't even really play that card I'm just I'm pulling out of the limelight for a while. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, you know? it's, it's tough to be in the limelight. All this adulation. It is. It is. It's uh, not for everybody. Well, let's uh, enough about me. Let's talk about another important topic. Let's talk about James Spader of Blacklist. 
Uh, Ted, you wrote a post on the Blazing Center today about uh, why Raymond Reddington could not exist in real life, which triggered an extended text conversation in which the essence was, you guys adore James Spader, and I do not. Is that fair? Is that a fair assessment? uh, Yeah, completely. Yeah, that summarizes things well. Mm Mm-hmm. I do think that uh, that you need to state your reason, Stephen, for why you don't like James Spader. And then we probably don't even have to respond because the listeners will, will just roll their <laughs> eyes. But by all means, go ahead. Because he, because he plays the same character across <laughs> every TV show, no matter what the role. Like it was, it's basically like. He took him his Robert California character from The Office, which admittedly like fit to me. It fit the character, uh, be, uh, you know, sort of this crazy eccentric guy who ends up running the company. But then he plopped that exact same character with no a, no change, not a single bit changed into the Raymond Reddington role in Blacklist. And don't forget Boston. Uh, was it Boston Legal? Was that the name of the show? Uh, with him and uh, William Shatner. Well, I didn't watch that one, but it, I'm sure it was the exact same. He was, he was a similar, cleverly smarmy guy in that show as well. It Barnabas, just, do, you, do you know what this is akin to for me? I'm I'm interested to hear. Do you remember when we were growing up, and um, and M- Michael Jordan was obviously the, the greatest player of that era and probably still the greatest player of all time, but there was always that one like dumb kid who would argue that like, <laughs> Dominique Wilkins was a, mo- a more explosive player than Michael Jordan. This and- is me. Oh, oh, yeah. This is me on Dominique. <laughs> no, oh, I know it. Yeah, I know. You, you're the Kobe defender in this in this instance. Uh, no, Kobe is as good just, as Michael was, that kind of thing. You have to be the contrarian, even though, you know, in the face of, of all this evidence and all this charisma and uh, – you and know, here's just, the thing. I don't even disagree with Steven. I just don't think that's a reason to dislike James Spader. And in fact, a ton of very successful and likable actors play, themse- play themselves in every movie. Or if the character is great, why not play the character? You know. Well, I mean, this gets into a conversation. Not that this matters in the least to you guys, given. And I know this because we already basically had this over text. But like, he's obviously not doesn't have any chops as an actor like if he's just plopping himself into every show now i get L- like listen to me <laughs> i, I want to ask you a question okay how much acting have you done zero okay but no, i, I was, can recognize i can recognize how much nba basketball have you played ted uh dude zero but i've, I've watched a lot of it and and you've you've probably played other kinds of basketball, like right. at the YMCA or in you know at a park, which is the exact same game, just played at a different skill level. So you've you've you know the difference in skill level between an NBA player and and you, for example, exactly. acting. I have no idea. It's an enti- it's a foreign universe. Mm. So mm. you so you guys are really saying, if I'm understanding your argument correctly, that you cannot tell the difference between a good and a bad actor. Just to make sure I'm clear on this. Dude, no, I, I think what we're saying is James Spader is a great actor at playing Raymond Reddington. And and <laughs> that's that's all I need him to play right now. He's like, a great actor at playing James Spader. Well just dude, like, Ar- just like but, Arnold was great at playing the Terminator. Exactly. I didn't and want he was Arnold an awful to, actor. <laughs> I didn't want him to do like like arty, like thinky indie films. I wasn't looking for him to star like opposite Laura Linney. I just wanted to see him like <laughs> shooting people and making things explode, you know. 
and Tom uh, yeah, Cruise yeah, is yeah, good yeah. at grinning and sprinting and 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 yeah. being a little bit uh, being a little bit smug. I mean, different actors have different skill sets, and if they get plugged into the right part, they crush it. And he even apparently is, is, is is really wanting James Spader to like expand his uh, <laughs> you know his his universe and do some sort of dialogue-driven indie film. I bet if you go look at James Spader's IMDb page or, or Wikipedia, he probably did all sorts of, like, New York art house kind of stuff or, or like, off-Broadway theater or one of those two and a half decades where he was doing nothing, right? <laughs> so I, my guess is he has a lot more acting chops than we're giving him credit for. But regardless, the point of this is that Raymond Reddington is awesome and James Spader is awesome <laughs> as Raymond Reddington. Now, Barnabas, do you feel the same way about Tom Cruise? Do you love Tom Cruise as an actor? Because I would argue he does basically the same thing. <laughs> he does exactly the same thing. And Tom Cruise it can be fantastic. Like uh, the first Mission Impossible movie, um, wonderful. I, lo- I love Top Tom Gun, Cruise. I, amazing. Oh. Yeah, but you're going back to his old stuff before he started doing Ethan right. Hawke well, every you, single you, movie. You, you, reach, you reach a saturation point. Because no, you, he was he was even great in like all the right moves and uh, and Jerry Maguire and these these were kind of different roles for him I think. But for yeah. the last like twelve films, he's it's not Ethan Hawke, it's well, Ethan I, Hunt. Sorry. I think you can reach a saturation point of doing the exact same thing over and over again. I mean, I think I think for example, Russell Crowe is reaching that point. Russell Crowe <laughs> plays the exact same guy he in does. the movie too, he and does. he made some he made some really really good movies, and now his movies are kind of like you know what. It's the same thing. He was awesome, like in Gladiator, like the the sort of non emotional kind of. Stoic. Yeah, they were like, they're like, what do we do with the guy who growls a lot, doesn't know how to smile or cry, <laughs> and can do stunts? Oh, right. let's give him a sword and and a, and an Italian kilt and have him kill people and throw <laughs> spears. Ted, and is that, it you know it was perfect? Ted, is it possible for um, Union to fly us in? to have sort of a live chat about this in one of your classes cuz this this is exact you know this is media yeah talk- it really is this is the crux of media these are the issues that the kids need to be exactly. leading into so yeah. to be fair i can drive over and they can just reimburse my mileage that's true that's true i'm going to sell that man we've yeah. got we've got one guy we've got one fly in and one and one uh, and one driver i'm going to ask the dean yeah. okay, <laughs> as soon as we get off the air. and i you can pay me in candy corn i'll uh, i'll accept oh wow that. There you go, man. All right. Well, that's Barnabas. That's good radio. That's a good transition to yes. talking about Halloween. <laughs> um, first of all, do you really like candy corn? Uh, I I like candy corn. I was joking about my love for it, and no, I'd rather not be paid in it. I'd rather be paid in American currency. But, but I mean, seriously, you like I, you like yeah, candy I like corn? candy corn just fine, dude. I, think- I feel like I feel like the next step in this sort of regression of this this program from a sponsorship <laughs> standpoint is to is to get sponsored by a candy corn company as Where long as they, us, all we get is free merch you know yeah they, they they give us yeah they give us a year's worth of of the candy corn pumpkins just pounds which, which and are pounds. better than the actual candy corn uh, yeah pounds yeah. and pounds of candy uh, barnabas i think you're the ted do you like candy corn no i hate it I yeah it, okay i find it to be the most ghetto and depressing of, of <laughs> all things. i think i think i'm one of about 14 people who like it barnabas you are the only adult grown-up person i've ever met who likes no, kids candy hate corn. it too kids absolutely abhor this my kids look at if somebody puts candy corn in their trick-or-treating bag they look at that person like they just gave them broccoli like it's mm. 
it's the worst. They it hate. is. It's it's like it's like Yankee Candle leftovers, like just droplets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like candle drippings. But with lots of corn syrup involved. Oh, it's the worst. It is. It is the worst. Well, uh, okay, so I can't defend it. I know it's disgusting, but sometimes you just like things that you don't. There's not a reason for it, and. This is not in relation to the James like Spader. Like James Spader. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I precluded that. <laughs> You're proving the point. Exactly. Uh, so, Barnabas, it's, uh, it's Halloween. Um, will you be, first of all, will, you, will your children, children be trick-or-treating tomorrow night? Yes, they will. And they will be, they will be going as, a, as a, a vampire queen and a witch, respectively. So we are all in on the evil. I was going to say, now, that doesn't really fit into the trunk-or-treat Christian Halloween sort of well, deal. Here's, here's the deal. Trunk-or-treat is fine and dandy, and, you know, I'm not going to knock churches who do that. But if you go to rich subdivisions, they give out better candy. So that's what we do. That That is a good point. And... Uh, yeah. Dude, what kind of what kind of merch are we looking for in the, in the rich uh, suburbs? Well, like, what's the what's the highest end candy you've gotten? In I mean, those? you're talking like full candy bars, right? I mean, yeah, that's some, the kind of stuff we get sometimes. Like, yeah, it's like they go to Sam's Club and they get you know like the 30, 40 packs of full size candy bars and they give those out. Sometimes it's just like f- they give it out in in fists full instead of like two at a time. Yeah, so yeah. you know, if you came to my place, it's like here's two. It's very away. gratuitous. There's just right, a lot there, of like, like they just like scoop out of a bowl and yeah. dump it in there. They're just slopping candy everywhere. But the crazy thing is, some of these some of these places around us have like they their neighborhood gets decked out for Halloween. So people will put up like the party tents in the front yard and they're decorating, and you know they have the the room above the garage and they'll have like people in ghoul costumes hanging out and yelling at the kids and stuff. It it really is quite the uh, festive atmosphere. It's a lot of fun. Now, Barnabas, did Lifeway have its annual Halloween party today? Um. Well, which is a very Southern Baptisty thing to do. Yes, exactly. No, they. Uh, <laughs> yes, they, they did the. They, they did a harvest party. Oh, nice. No, they didn't do a harvest party. But if they were going to do something, it would be a harvest party. Right. Right. Um, will you be attending any adult Halloween parties? Uh, no, I think that I can't think of many things more ridiculous than adult. Now, let's talk about this because this is pretty popular. Ted, um, will you and or Kristen be attending any adult Halloween parties? You know, not this year, but we have uh, we have attended in the past, shamefully. And I, I have to say, um, one year we went as a, we went a group as remember <laughs> River Dance. Do you remember? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> that, whole, that whole phenomenon. We went as yeah. we went as River Dance. Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance. Exactly. That was uh, that was one year. Uh, one year we went as uh, members of the band Kiss. Um, <laughs> man, do I'm you have to, a, Do you have any pictures of that? I, I do. I that, sadly I do have a few pictures. That'd but, be awesome uh, to send. Uh, you could send it to Barnabas, and he could post it on the uh, the blog post that that this podcast goes. Oh on yeah, we'll, we'll drop those in. Yeah, maybe sure. I'll do that. But but these were. I mean, these were sad experiences, and I'm totally with Barnabas on this, in that you, you, you're an adult, and you sort of, you arrive at these parties, and everybody kind of, like, remarks one time on each other's costumes, and then you're stuck for the rest of the and night in a ridiculous <laughs> costume, and you're talking about work, you know what I mean? You're just, or, or parenting, or whatever boring it's, crap. It's kind of like stuff. every other dinner party, but with, but with yeah. men in Lycra. Yeah, it's every other dinner party, except that you look ridiculous, and so does everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, it, 
It is. Uh, it's. It's sort of like. It, it's almost like we just want an excuse for some odd reason uh, to dress up. But I don't. I mean, I don't even get into the dressing up part. It's not even fun to for me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe other. I'm sure other people are different, but personally, I don't really get into the whole dressing up kind of thing. Mainly because I'm a grown up. Dude, um, you know what? It occurred to me that I could go as Stefan Marbury this year because I have. Uh, another regrettable purchase. I have a Stefan Marbury jersey. <laughs> oh, I used to have one too, but I lost it in college. A guy from my intramural team took it and never gave it back. Dude, yeah, I, I'm sort of a, a niche collector of uh, of guys that were complete failures and busts. I, I have a, a collection <laughs> of their jerseys, and uh, I have a Marcus Camby college jersey. Ooh, oh, Marcus that's outstanding. Camby. Yeah, that's the, the old the old burgundy <laughs> U Mass jersey. Nice. I, I feel like adults in costumes is is one of the signs that a society is about to come crashing down. I mean, that's <laughs> I, I I just picture like a masquerade party in Rome right before the the you know yeah. it's just like it's like it's like the we have nothing better to do. We're not doing anything productive. We don't take anything seriously, and it's this bloated, ridiculous <laughs> society. And we do we do dumb stuff like dress up like superheroes, even though. Uh, we're we're supposed to be adults. I don't. I just don't get it. Well, and there is like okay, this is taking it uh, a bit of a different direction. But honestly, like you also run into, and this is a lot more in the secular world as opposed to in Christian, you know, Halloween parties or whatever you want to call them. But it's almost like people use Halloween as an excuse as an excuse to do like things without consequences like it's the one you mean, like dress like a hooker yeah like it's the one year that you can dress com- or one day of the year that it's like completely acceptable to dress you know completely immodestly with zero consequences um so it's just this because it's not phenomenon. you it's yeah exactly yeah it's not me it's it's this it's the sexy school teacher costume or whatever like that's what I don't get that at all. And the fact the, here's the ridiculous thing: you can find costumes for sexy anything. Do you remember the pizza rat thing that was going around? You know that yeah. there was that there's the internet meme with the rat carrying the piece of pizza down into the subway. Yes. there is a sexy pizza rat costume, and I know this because Twitter is amazing and informs me of these things. Not because I went looking for it, but uh, <laughs> do we need put that out there before I get accused? Do of we something. need to test your uh, browser yeah, history? Go, go, yeah, go search my browser history. No, but I, it's just. All that to say, like this is this is American Halloween, sexy yeah. pizza rat costumes. I right. don't think we should have to say much more about how, like, oh, that's what we've come to. Oh, good, awesome. That's, yeah, that's what our culture is producing these days. Yeah, it, that's the uh, that's the low bar that we've we've gone to when, yeah, when we're producing. I think I saw a sexy Donald Trump too. Which is wait, uh, wait 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 I'm sorry I can I can picture a sexy pizza rat I cannot picture a sexy Donald Trump. well I can't either but isn't that the point like isn't that the point of some of those costumes like create the most extreme absurd and then put you know sexy twist on it it's just ridiculous. and then just put the word sexy in yeah front of it. I mean it's just absurd <laughs> four inches off the front of the shirt. it really is just absurd it's this absurd excuse to do whatever we want because it's not really us I think that is a really good point Barnabas it's almost like an alter ego like as if it's okay when we're dressed up as someone else uh yeah so now Ted will you be taking your boys trick-or-treating you know we actually uh we did a thing here on campus last night and I think um, 
I think we've got actually plans for Saturday night uh, with some other people, so we probably won't, you know, kind of traditionally trick or treat this year, other than uh, other than what what took place last night. Now, what what kind of trick or treating takes place on a Christian campus? Oh, you know, it it was kind of a trunk or treat thing where all the student like organizations had, uh, you know, had their cars decorated and you know, faculty kids kind of wandered around and got candy. It was fun. It was a good thing. It is like. I, I again I'm this is not a criticism of trunk or treat port per se, but it does it strike you guys as just really odd at times when it's like somehow this is not we don't call this Halloween, but it's exactly the same thing. Like it's, yeah, it's like Yeah, we, we want you to come in your costumes and we're going to give out candy, which by the way is the functional essence of Halloween. It's not it really there, is. There's nothing else to it besides candy and costumes at this point for yeah. For age-appropriate people, uh, and except we're just doing it at church because it's holier. I and I, I went I to one, yeah, and I went to one last week with my kids, and it was great. I mean, everybody was great, tons of candy, all that good stuff. But even at that one, there was like some really creepy, weird costumes, which it like it just. It, I, I <laughs> why don't they just at call it, it a church? Why don't they just call it a Halloween party, like a neighborhood Halloween party, and the church is just getting involved in the neighborhood. Everybody wants to celebrate Halloween and have their kids go out and dress up like superheroes or princesses or witches or goblins or whatever, except the church is just going to buy about 40,000 pounds of candy and give it out to kids, and then everybody like everybody wins, Yeah, except and- we have to call it something different for some reason. I think it's because most reason. churches have no actual interest in being a part of the neighborhood. That's, and, and, yeah, that, that's probably true. I mean, I think this whole true. thing is indicative of like – you know, no offense, Stephen, but 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 kind of the homeschool circle the wagons culture where you know, um, you know, if we do our own thing, then it'll be safer and and somehow less scary than like walking around, you know, a neighbor. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Meet, meeting our actual neighbors. Well, and I yeah, think right. there was a great point, uh, a great article on Desiring God, um, mentioning how this is like the one time of the year when the mission field actually comes to you, right? And like. But that does not give you license to hand out tracts. No, don't well, do that. Like the article was yeah. like, get the best candy and get like give out the best candy. Turn on the lights, welcome people. You know, like this is the one time of the year when they're coming to you, right? And so I just I thought that was a really insightful point. Like why why try to co opt it and make it safe and make it some sort of secluded, you know, isolated thing when they're coming to you and and you really can reach the neighborhood like you were saying, Ted. Yeah, that's right. Uh, one thing, uh, let me hop back before we transition uh, to the next subject. Let me hop back to the first subject we were on because we, I wanted to hit on this bef- before we even talked about James Spader. And this this was something we were talking about over text too. And this kind of blew me away. And Barnabas, you were the first one that pointed this out to me that our, one of our favorite websites, Grantland, uh, which is a great website, that was was a great yeah was a great <laughs> website is effectively shutting down immediately, and uh, Barnabas, what are the details on that shutdown? Uh, so so Grantland dot com was the was the site that Bill Simmons started I guess a couple years ago now when he was still at ESPN and he was the the lead editor the the advocate the guy who hired everybody there and they just they did an awesome job of writing culture and pop culture and sports and blending it all together and <clears throat> real creative takes on things not the kind of stuff you normally see from ESPN which is generally pretty pretty canned and scrubbed um, 
It was like sm- it's smart. It was yeah. funny. Some it, yeah, some of it some of it was a little bit off the wall, but but it was a space where people writers could do some really creative stuff. And some of it was genius, like longer form writing, where they they would do these these longer articles, and it was really really good. Well, today at at probably about one o'clock or so, uh, it just I saw on Twitter that ESPN made the announcement that effective immediately they're shutting Grantland down. And I guess they're honoring the contracts of the people who are still currently employed there. Bill Simmons not being one of them, having been uh, ousted by ESPN. By the way, have you guys started listening to his new podcast? Yeah, he basically spends a third of every podcast calling out people by name at ESPN. It's a little bit. I think Bill Simmons. See, I didn't. He has charisma on the page. Like anytime I I listen to him him or watch a podcast. Oh, I don't. I I think I like his guests. Yeah, exactly. I think he's he's pretty boring. I think I think when he has the right guests or when he's talking about the NBA. Well, he knows the yeah, NBA yeah. and he when he talks about other things it's I can't listen to the ones where he talks about like the football gambling lines. I just ugh, who cares. But uh so this ESPN shutting down Grantland was the most ESPN thing ESPN has ever done. They have a site where creative people are doing creative things and they're doing it smartly and they're going to shut it down so that Skip Bayless can get paid a million dollars a year to say stupid stuff. Uh. And uh, it's just ESPN in a nutshell. And there's nothing you can do about it because they have all of the money. Did you guys – I was thinking through this. What's going to happen to all Bill Simmons' old articles? Well, they are ESPN is archiving all Grantland content, so you can still find it. That was one of the things that came out of it. So they're not they're not erasing it. It's not like a spiteful. We're going to pretend Bill Simmons was never here, but they are basically saying anything that he had influence over is going to be uh, killed, twisted, or otherwise just scrubbed and and turned into something else. It's almost like it doesn't fit ESPN's. Um, I I don't know. They're it doesn't fit into what they're trying to do. Like Grantland is, it's smart sports, it's intelligent sports, and and ESPN's going for the like constant human interest angle. Yeah, and I well uh, either that either that or they're just going for the clickbait. They, I mean, I I posted this tweet earlier and I said I said Grantland is equivalent to Twitter, and First Take is equivalent to Facebook. And first take is the Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith show. But that's like ESPN in a nutshell. It's like one-liners and and ridiculous takes to make people get mad and no actual smart commentary on anything. Now, they have some brilliant journalists there, but you have to, you have to dig to find them. And I feel like a lot of that stuff was fostered by Simmons or the 30 for 30 stuff, which has done some amazing work. And Grantland, which did some amazing work, but on the site itself, it's like it's puff piece after puff piece. Do you guys think Simmons will launch his own thing again? Like, would he launch like BillSimmons.com? And like, I was thinking, man, it'd be great if Zach Lowe, who's like another great NBA NBA guy, would go with Simmons and they do their own thing. That's not. Well, you know, Simmons has Simmons is starting a show in a couple months on HBO, so he'll it'll be an HBO sports show, uh, which. I'm only moderately excited about because, like Ted said, camera is not friendly to Bill. Um, but but I imagine along with that will come the writing piece because he's not going to stop writing. I mean, that, that was what gave him his start, and that's really what he's best at. Absolutely. Ted, any, uh, any thoughts about, just as this goes down, um, any reflections on this? 
No, I mean, I, I think Barnabas really, you know, really summed it up perfectly. I mean, I, I think from a writer's perspective, one, one, I guess, reflection or bit of wisdom is that, you know, don't, don't ever think that people can't live without you. You know what I mean? Don't ever think that you're not fireable or that people won't move on or whatever because, you know, audiences are fickle. ESPN obviously has their sort of profit-generating, you know, plan in place, and it didn't involve Bill Simmons, and it doesn't involve Grantland. And I think, you know, there's a there's a weird kind of tension between art and sports writing in that, you know, for the vast majority of Americans, you know, you, you click on ESPN.com to get, you know, to get sports or to follow the kind of clickbaity headline or, or to read about, you know, Johnny Manziel's latest, like, off-the-field gaffe or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it, it's weird that you can, like Barnabas said, you can dig a little bit deeper and you can find these amazing long-form essays and articles that really are art. You know, I really think they're literature in some cases. Um, but I, I think it's con- <clears throat> it, it confuses the issue almost uh, to have to have stuff like that at ESPN. And I think, you know, for me, Grantland kind of harkened back to the old days of Sports Illustrated where you would, you would get the, the really long essay or the really yeah. long kind of immersive, you know, journalistic piece. Um, well, which, it, was na- it was named after a guy named Grantland who was one of the sort of originators of long-form sports writing. Exactly. And, and I mean, he, he was one of the, like, the guys who made the art form. Right. Right. So I, I, even calling it an art form, though, I mean, I think that's a paradigm that's, you know, foreign to most ESPN readers, you know, who yeah. just want their scores or their clickbait or their rumors or whatever. So, you know, maybe it goes away. Maybe it starts somewhere else. And I mean, I think independent is the way to go for something like that so that you can yeah. you can control the content and, you know, really make great art and see if people actually want it. And think- one last one last important lesson, I think, is that good writing actually doesn't really matter that much in, right. in terms of yes to the big people yeah yeah it's not all it's not about art it's not about writing ultimately it's just about money and it's mm-hmm. about profit and and speaking of money it's really hard to get paid as a writer and that's one of the reasons yeah. why something like grantland was so refreshing is because they had full-time writers they they had people they paid fair wages to to do creative things and that's an that's a really hard thing to do in a place where like newspapers are shutting down. So on, on today, Grantland shut down, and the L.A. Times cut fifteen percent of their newsroom or bought mm-hmm. them out. I mean, so this is this is the this is the era of you're supposed to write for free. Yeah. So or it's, the it's era, hard. It's hard to get paid for writing. Or the era of like you get paid. You get paid to create BuzzFeed listicles, yeah, which are so dumb and generate. I mean, Stephen, you and I know that. I mean, from the Blazing Center, we we can put together posts on any given week that we know are going to quadruple or or more our traffic because you can put together ten ten funny things about something and it and it it blows up on Facebook. Yeah. But that's kind of soul-sucking writing if you do it too often. It's funny yeah. here and there, but if that's the thing that you do. That's, it's not really – it doesn't feel – it's not satisfactory to me anyway. But, but yeah, it, that, is what, that is what works. And so if, if traffic is up, ad stats are up. If ad stats are up, money is up, and the executives are happy. Maybe I'll go on to, to found <laughs> like the Christian BuzzFeed. Has anyone done that yet? Oh, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I don't go looking for Christian websites. <laughs> <laughs> 
you just go looking I mean, if, for if face gloria exists you can be you can be <laughs> darn gloria. sure that, you can be darn sure that the uh, that the christian buzzfeed exists too you don't you don't go looking for uh christian buzzfeed you mainly go looking for sexy rat costume Pizza rat. Yeah. Not just any rat. <laughs> Not looking for, yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. That's, that's weird. Pizza rat is okay. <laughs> All right. Last question. This is a listener one. This is a great question. And this is, uh, I think there's a lot of unwritten rules that go into this, but the question is when is it okay to adopt a sports team as your own? So, Ted, you are a Michigan, a Michigan guy moved to Tennessee. Barnabas, you're a Minnesota guy. Tennessee. I'm a Pennsylvania guy. Florida. Um, when is it okay? When do you guys feel like it's okay to adopt a particular sports team as your sports team? Uh, Ted, where, where uh, do you land on that? I think whenever you feel like it, because it's entertainment, and who cares? You know. I mean, <laughs> that's the Ted we've come to know and love and expect, <laughs> and also the Ted who thinks this podcast should probably be over ten minutes ago. Exactly. Or something. <laughs> we uh, we've, we've gone forty five minutes. Let's uh, let's land the plane. But uh, but seriously, that's what I think. I I think uh, I think that if you have a team that you rooted for in your childhood, you 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 keep it uh, unless the ownership of that team is so egregiously bad that they never give you a chance to win. So, for example, if you were a Los Angeles Clippers fan during the entire Donald Sterling era or a Cincinnati Bengals fan during the Mike Brown era or a Cleveland Browns fan forever, uh, you can dump those teams. That's okay. I think I think switching teams perpetually is – I have this thing against it. But, I mean, ultimately Ted's right, but we're going to ignore what he said because it's no fun. Um I think if you I think if you move to a place and they have a team that is in a sport that you haven't rooted for previously. So I'm not a hockey fan, but I moved to Nashville. If I decided I wanted to root for the Nashville Predators, I could do that because I don't have another team that I'm in conflict with. Or if they have a team that's not a rival of your team. So I could root for the Tennessee Titans because they're not a rival of the Vikings. Right. Except that the Titans are terrible, so why would I do that to myself? I think everybody should have a night game team too, like a team on the side. You know what I mean? Like a, a <laughs> if you're on the East Coast, you have a you have a West Coast team just for the for the evening games. You know, I think that that's actually a really good strategy. I like that because it it yeah. basically doubles your viewing, uh, like your viewing time. Yeah, you yeah. get to watch your afternoon game, but then you also have your night game. I think a team in each league. Although, like in baseball, for example, I I grew up being a Twins fan and a Braves fan, um, and because they never played except for the '91 World Series, um, but then well, interleague the play kind of ruined that. Yeah, so everybody, yeah. there there were kids in every media market that were Braves fans because Braves they were and on, Cubs, they yeah. were on television. You know, it seems like it's also fair to adopt a team as your own. Uh, like if you're coming into a sport. And there's just no team. Like, if you've never had a team in a particular sport, like, so in Pittsburgh, we never had a basketball team. Mm. So, you know, in so the who 90s. Was your team growing up? Well, in the 90s, I mean, I was with everybody. I was with the Bulls. So sure. it would, it was, I was Jordan. Now, I don't really have a team anymore. I just enjoy watching NBA basketball. Um, so. I feel like there's some acceptable room to adopt a team when you don't have anyone immediately in your area to root for. I think there's also something to be said. If you move to an area and you don't have real strong feelings, but everybody in that area loves the team, 
you need to do one of two things. You either root for that team so you get along really well with everybody, or you root for their rival so you create a lot of fun in, in you know, going to watch games with them and, and you have the rivalry. So, like, if I moved down here and decided I was going to be a, an Alabama Crimson Tide fan just to make the, the Tennessee fans mad. Well, that's like here. I mean, every, I mean, it's Florida State. Country, Florida State, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Florida State is here. Florida State University right. is here. So everybody's a Florida State fan. And I honestly, I don't mind rooting for Florida State. I've never been a college football guy because our, our football team was Pitt, which wasn't any good in, except in the 1970s. Um, and so <clears throat> I, I've never been a, a college guy, so I don't mind rooting for Florida State. I'm, I'm not in love with them by any means, but, yeah, they're not. They're okay. Um so yeah, I, or I could adopt, like you said, Barnabas. I could go and be be a Gators fan, which, or a Miami fan, which is the other. Those are the two main main rivals. Yeah, when I, when I I lived in Chicago for twelve years before moving to Tennessee, and when I moved there, people would say, "Oh, have you you know? Are you now a Cubs fan? Are you now a Bears fan?" And in fact, living there made me hate the Chicago teams more than ever because bears fans are the most annoying fans in the world and so i was like no i'm a vikings fan times you know 80 now because of of you fans so the rivalry thing was a lot more fun there i feel like in some ways though barnabas you're allowed to not be a vikings fan or timberwolves fan because of how they've broken your heart for like 15 straight years uh no that's true i think i probably have Here's the thing. Well, you have an exemption there, I feel the like. The Timberwolves, I could absolutely dump at any moment because they have they've they had one really good season ever. Um the Vikings have been the perpetual tease where they they have been a playoff team more often than not. They've made the NFC Championship game uh 3 times in, you know, in the last decade and a half. And and they just they just always fail. So there there's enough there for me to stick around. Plus the fact, here's the other thing. I grew up five blocks from where both of those teams played. So there's like you can see it from my front yard. That's my parents' front yard, I should say. That's not something you can just walk away from. I mean, it, it wasn't like, oh, they were nearby. I was like, no, I, I was. They were in my yard. The worst stadium in NFL for many years. Wouldn't the, you agree? The Metrodome. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh, it was definitely the worst stadium in baseball. Because it was designed for football, and so it was this oddly shaped baseball stadium with a white roof, so nobody could see the ball. But it was an awesome home field advantage. <laughs> All right, folks, we've wandered too and far on this podcast, and on this my final podcast <laughs> for now. It's been great, mm. loads of fun. I feel like I should do something that's sort of a sign off, but I got nothing. And peace the heck out is your sign off. That is my sign off. But we should probably mention the sponsor real quick. Yeah, you better, to you interrupt better do your that. Piece yeah. of that you better so inter- do that. So Lemon Street Mobile, go to lemstreet.com. Uh, check out their protection plan. It's a great deal, $5 a month, $69 deductible. If you use the code HAPPYRANT at checkout, you will get a 10% discount. Uh, if all of that information has escaped you, just look for the blog post at the Blazing Center about this uh, this episode, and all the details will be there. So check that out, lemstreet.com, and we really appreciate their sponsorship. All right, folks, you know what to do. Peace the heck out. Mm. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone. 
My name is Carly Merkulier. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the Therapy and Theology podcast, where we explore popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. I want to invite you to join me every Thursday as we fearlessly name the complexities of our reality, grow in the awareness of who we are, and rediscover the power and purpose of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. Subscribe today at lifeaudio.com.